Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing? Good to see you, 10 o'clock, and our folks watching online, happy Father's Day. Welcome to church. If you have not been here before, if this is your first time or your first time back in a while, we're so excited you're here, and I just want to let you know we're in the, the midst of this series called Adam and Eve, where we've been focusing in on the challenges faced by men and women, and in the process, we've hopefully been learning how to love one another better. And in this series, we've spent a few weeks, the first couple weeks actually, really focusing in on our women. And then uh, we talked about our singles. We've even um, taken time to talk about parenting and our personal relationship with God. But in this last couple weeks of this series, this week and next week, we're really going to focus in now on our men. So fellas, this Sunday morning, this Father's Day morning, can I get a hoorah from you guys? Awesome. Good morning, men. Great to see you guys, my brothers. I want to start by saying right off the bat, there's a lot of negativity about men in our culture today. Uh, but I'm not ashamed to tell you this morning, I am proud to be a man. I, I am glad that I'm not a, a woman. And I, I love women. And there's some really, really especially important women in my life, like my wife, Julie, of 20 years, my beautiful, amazing daughters. Uh, I have three of them and my incredible mom. Uh, they mean the world to me. They're awesome. But I am thankful to be a man because, first of all, I couldn't imagine carrying and delivering a baby. I don't care how much drugs you possibly gave me. Like, that's not happening. My, my wife, Julie, uh, gave birth to all five of our children without any drugs like Mike Tyson, The Rock, and John Cena have nothing on her. She's as tough as nails. But I'm thankful to be a man. So today, we're going to talk about and we're going to celebrate our men. And today on this Father's Day, we're also going to solve the great mystery about men. So all the women in here today, I want you to take a minute. Look at the man closest to you right now. Go ahead and look at him. Stare him down. Look at him and say, I'm about to figure you out. <laughs> all right. Here. Here we go, here we go. Now again, this message again is going to focus in on our men, but it's not just for our men. Some of the things we're going to talk about today are going to be really good stuff for the women as well. But today we're going to reveal the three greatest needs that every guy has. The three greatest needs that every guy has. Now most women will be able to relate to many of these needs, but these are arguably the three greatest needs in the life of every man. Now, I thought I would start off the message by celebrating some of the really great things that I think there are about being a guy. Uh, we're not perfect by any means. We say that all the time here. There are no perfect people. But being a guy does have its perks. So get ready. This is my top 10 list of why I love being a man. Okay, you guys ready for this? All right, here we go. Number 10, number 10. We can open our own jars. All right, it's amazing. Bottles too. We can, we can open them. It's great. Anytime we want. Number nine, we can go to the bathroom without a support group. <laughs> it's absolutely awesome. We can just get up and go if we feel like it. Number eight, we can keep the same hairstyle for over a decade, maybe for life. Okay, there's some guys in here sporting mullets, all right? Business up front, party in the back, all right? Next one, number seven, we are never too old to play with Nerf guns or lightsabers. Amen, men? Amen. Yes, we get to be kids our whole life. It's awesome. Number six, we never have to shave below the neck. It's a beautiful thing, except for Pastor TJ. Talk to him about it, okay? A little bit weird. <laughs> number five, we can pee virtually anywhere, Okay. Even in a long car ride, don't ask me how, but we can do it, okay? Number four, number four, 
we can watch a sporting event with another dude, okay, for like three hours, never talk, never say a single word, and it is a great time. We consider it a great time, okay? Very few words. Uh, Number three, number three, a one-week trip only requires a small backpack and the pair of shoes on our feet. That's all it requires, okay? We take those tidy whities you can flip them inside out, you can go for a long time, all right? Number two, number two, we can plan an evening out and be ready to go and in the car in under five minutes. It's amazing. We don't have to try on a bunch of stuff. It's great. All right, can I get a drum roll now? We're going to get to number one. Can I get a drum roll, please? And the number one reason why I love being a man, if I show up to a party and I meet a guy wearing the exact same outfit as me, we'll be friends for life. It'll be amazing, all right? It is good to be a man. Amen, men? So today I want to help you as a man understand why it is you feel some of the things that you feel in life. And if you're a woman, I want to help you today to understand a little bit where your guy is coming from. See, in Genesis 2.15, God gives Adam some tasks to do. And we've talked about this in this series. When God made Adam and Eve, he had a purpose for each of them. And while there are a great deal of similarities between men and women, I mean, we, we are very similar. Um, we are equals. God calls us to be partners in life. There are also some differences between us. And in Genesis 2, in the account, God gave Adam some responsibility. He told him he was going to have dominion and sovereignty and authority over the garden. And he asked him to name the animals. He asked him to work the ground and to take joy and pleasure in that work. And from this Genesis account, I think we can also discover three kind of important things that every guy really needs. And I would argue that these are three things that really we were designed for, that we were created for. So let's go ahead and unpack them. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Number one, number one, every man needs a purpose to drive and motivate him. Every man needs a purpose in life to drive and motivate him. And this goes way beyond just having a job. This is about finding a calling, finding a purpose in life of why God created you and placed you on this earth. King Solomon, who is considered the wisest man to ever live other than Jesus, he said this in Proverbs 16. He said, the laborer's appetite works for him. His hunger drives him on. Men love to work. We're kind of wired to do jobs and to achieve success. We want to see things started and we want to see things completed. We like checking things off our list. Men have a deep inner desire and drive to work for a purpose. Now, some women get confused about how hard their husbands work. Why does he have to go to work so early? Why is he coming home exhausted all the time? But see, just like women, men desire to love and to nurture our families. We really do. But the way many men flesh that out is wanting to protect their family and provide for their family. A few years ago, there was a Hall of Fame player who I really liked named Junior Seau, and he tragically took his own life. He played linebacker for 20 years with the San Diego Chargers and then with the New England Patriots. And those closest to him, when interviewed, said that, that he had a really, really difficult transition from going to NFL star back into regular life. See, for most of his life, football gave him his purpose in life. And when that season of life ended, it started to play out in a very destructive way as he drifted into deep depression without purpose. And the reason I bring that up is that women, you need to be aware that your husband or your future husband is kind of wired 
for purpose in his life. And King Solomon, again, in Proverbs 16, he says that purpose is the hunger that drives and that motivates him in life. And we learn more about this from King Solomon in Proverbs 19. In Proverbs 19, he says this. He says, laziness brings on deep sleep, and the shiftless man goes hungry. This verse says that a man without purpose becomes lost. He becomes shiftless. He, he has no direction in his life. He doesn't know where to go. And this is why when a man loses his job or he fails at a business venture, the support and understanding of people around him, especially his wife if he's married, becomes so critical. Women, here's something um, to help you understand this area of your man's life a little bit better. Men need to do two things in life for finding purpose. Men need to solve and men need to succeed. Men need to solve and men need to succeed. And this is how most men are wired. It also, um, this kind of idea became very apparent to me shortly after I got married. As a young married couple, um, Julie and I would often have, you know, conversations. We talked about our differences. We talked about things in life. We talked about problems and things that we struggled with. And on numerous occasions, um, Julie would come to me with a problem that she was dealing with in life. And I immediately would try every time to offer her a solution. I mean like a drawn out 12 you know, step plan for success in life kind of solution. And finally, she, you know, she would shut down the idea again and again and again. Finally, after she shot it down, like for the hundredth time, I got frustrated. And I was like, woman, I just told you how to solve that problem. Why don't you ever just do what I say? Yeah, as you can imagine, that didn't go over too well with her. And I'll never forget her response. She, she started, she actually started to tear up a little bit. And she said, she said, AJ, I don't need you to solve my problems. I just need you to listen. And I need you to know that you, I need to know that you understand and that you actually care. She said, I'm not a problem for you to fix, AJ. I'm your wife who needs to be loved and understood. Whoa, right? Guess who felt like an idiot at that point? This guy. And she was right. And from then on, I would try to ask my wife during a conversation or during a discussion, do you want a strategic solution for me right now? Or you, do you just want to know that I hear how you're feeling? But women, you need to understand that your husband is kind of hardwired in his brain a little bit to want to solve things. Men, the challenge for us is to realize that our wives don't need to be solved all the time, that they really need to be loved and understood Women, the challenge for you is to realize that when your husband looks at you and you're trying to explain to him the 25,000 converging and conflicting emotions that you might be experiencing at any given moment of the day, that your husband's first reaction is to try to look for a solution to the problem that needs to be fixed. And he's not trying to be insensitive. He's not trying to be cold. He just wants you to be happy. And he's trying to accomplish that the best way that he knows how by trying to fix things. So cut him a little slack. And let them know up front, you don't need a solution. You just need to be heard and you just need to be understood. See, a man's mind is really not that complicated. We're men, after all. We're like a step above the cavemen. And we're usually thinking three things. We're thinking situation, strategy, and success. What's the situation? What's the strategy? 
How can I get success? You know, the tread on the car tire looks low. That's the situation. Could be dangerous, you know, for the family driving down the road. So I'm going to schedule a time to get some new tires. That's the strategy. Then I'm going to take it in. It's going to get done. It's success when the new tires are on the car and my wife and my children are going to be safe on the road. And after he accomplishes that, he might call you out of the house. He might say, hey, honey, come on out. Look what I did. New tires. And you're thinking in your mind, that's the most unromantic thing I have ever seen. But in his mind, he just protected you from a wreck so that you wouldn't hydroplane on the road during a rainstorm. So women, when your husband does stuff like that and you're confused, just stop for a moment and pray and think, why did he just do that? And then wrap your arms around him and give him a kiss and say, thank you for loving me. Thank you for looking after our family. You're the best husband ever. And he will be so happy. He will wag his little tail like a puppy dog. And then he will possibly do some of the things you really want him to do, like the dishes and putting away the laundry and making the bed and scrubbing the toilet and putting the kids to bed and maybe planning a trip to the Caribbean for you next winter. You tracking with me, ladies? So men like fixing problems. We also like succeeding. Men like to succeed. See, we're competitive, we want W's in the win column all the time. And sometimes we get obnoxious trying to get those W's. I mean, I'm a very competitive person. I really struggle when it comes to playing board games with people because of this. Um, I'm even competitive playing games with my children, okay? Candyland, shoots and ladders, tic-tac-toe, hi-ho, cheerio. It matters not, okay? I will beat them. They will cry. That is just the way it's going to be. I don't like to lose, just last week, Lincoln, who's almost two, my youngest, um, we were running around in the front yard, and he wanted to race to see who could get, fast, get there fastest to his mother. And so we're running along. We got right near the end, and he was a little bit ahead, and I tripped him, and I tagged her, and I turned around, and I said, in your face, I won. Okay, I have a problem. Pray for me, okay? I struggle with these kinds of things. Guys have a tendency also to avoid things when we feel like we can't win or we feel like we can't succeed. Um, on our honeymoon, my wife tried to teach me how to play cribbage, and um, I lost like five times in a row, and I finally flipped the board over, and I said, this game is dumb, I'm not playing anymore. So if something requires a man to kind of make himself vulnerable, to kind of open up about his fears, to maybe open up about his weaknesses, oftentimes he might flee those discussions rather than face them. Even if facing them, could ultimately benefit his life. Many of you know that I'm trained as a, a clinical counselor and I did couples counseling for many years. This is a big reason why many men often back out of counseling or they skip appointments. So to help all the men out today, I, I'm gonna tell you women some things that most men feel inside but we're afraid to express and we often don't express. We probably will never tell you. So women, you can take notes on these. Here, here's some things that most men really feel. Number one, I'm really insecure in how I'm doing in our relationship. I'm really insecure in how I'm doing in our relationship. Number two, I worry that you are not happy with me. I worry that you're not happy with me. Number three, I'm afraid that one day you're going to get tired of me and leave me for another man. That's a fear that many guys have. Number four, I never feel like I have enough time for work, the kids, and for us. I just feel like there's no margin. Number five, the reason I work so hard is to see you smile 
and provides you a life of comfort, security, and happiness. That's, that's the greatest thing I want to achieve in my life is for you to be happy, for you to have joy in your life, for me to be a good husband to you. Number six, I worry that I'm not attractive to you anymore. I worry that you don't think I'm attractive anymore. That six-pack has become a keg, and I'm worried. My hair has fallen out. Number seven, I feel like I will never be everything you want me to be. I feel like I'll never measure up. And lastly, leaning close, hear this, all the women in here today. Number eight, if you believe in me, I believe that I'm unstoppable. If you believe in me, I believe that I'm unstoppable. Every man wants to tell his wife that. If I know that you've got my back, if I know that you're with me in this life, heart and soul, bring on the gates of hell, we're going to have victory over it because we are unstoppable if I know that you're with me. The first thing that every man needs is purpose. Number two, number two. The second thing that every man needs is a wife to love and respect him. The second thing that every man needs is a wife to love and respect him. Now, some men are given the gift of singleness. That is true. That's in scripture, like the apostle Paul, they never marry. But for the vast majority of men, this is one of the top three needs that we have in our life. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul pours out wisdom about the family and about how husbands and wives should treat one another. And he says this in Ephesians 5:33. He says, "However, each of you, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband." And then King Solomon said this in Proverbs 19:14. He says that houses and wealth are inherited from your parents. So your parents, they leave you things like a house, like wealth, but a wise wife is from the Lord. A wise wife is from the Lord. All the married women, look up here for a second. You have no idea how valuable you are and how important you are in your husband's life. You have no idea. As Christian women, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're a married woman in here, scripture says you are a gift from almighty God to your husband and you have incredible power. Your man's self-esteem can rise or fall through your words and through your actions, what you pour out on him. Besides salvation in Jesus Christ, you are the greatest gift given to your husband by God. For those of you whose husbands are not Christians, you are the greatest gift that he has received from God thus far in his life. And his desperate desire is to be loved and to be respected by you. So what are some practical ways to do this? Let me tell you. You ready to start taking some notes? Here you go, women. I, I can hear you ladies already. Here we go. Three tips for you married women in here. Number one, tip number one, assume every day he doesn't know that you love and respect him. Just assume that every day. He's a man. Assume he doesn't know. It's a good bet, okay? Number two, number two, put in encouraging words together from your brain to your mouth and say them to him. Put encouraging words together and say them to him. I've been in ministry for almost 30 years, 20 years as a pastor. Before being a pastor, I led a traveling teen ministry team um, in Maryland called the Impact Team. And each month, we would visit a different church. And we would put on skits and we would sing songs and I would deliver a message before a group of people at a church. And my wife, Julie, was actually a part of that team. 
That's kind of how we met and got to know each other. And, and, and she's seen me in ministry from the very beginning. I mean, she's seen me since I was a teenager. Now, being up in front as a pastor, people, people often are polite, and they often you know, say nice things to you after a service, okay? Uh, I could preach a dry, two-hour-long message on Old Testament genealogy, and 95% of you might fall asleep during the service, but at the end of the service, somebody with positivity, like Beth Darling, will come up to me, and she will say after the service how much the message moved her. God bless encouraging people like Beth Darling. But for years in ministry, my wife would never say anything to me about a service that I would lead. In fact, she would often hide behind the scenes or she would go and, and work in children's ministry like she's, like she's doing this morning. And at first I thought she was trying to you know, keep me humble or you know, keep me from having a big head, but she would often comment on other pastors and she would say how great a message was that she heard or how inspired she was about something she listened to. But she just never said anything about any service that I ever led. And after several years of marriage, I started realizing that I was feeling a little bit depressed. And I really started to believe that my wife thought I was just a terrible, terrible pastor. And so one day I asked her, I, I said, what did you think of the service today? And she said, hey, I, I thought it was pretty good. And I asked, Why? And she said, well, first of all, a couple people got saved. They made a decision to accept Christ, and that's awesome. I think that was really good. And she said, you know, you told an interesting story, and I don't know. I, she said, I learned something. I always admire your confidence and your heart. I think you're a great pastor. And I was like a kid in the candy store. I was like, tell me more. You know, what, what else can you tell me about how it was? And she finally, she was like, why are you asking me this? You know, you know I think you're a great pastor. I think you're a great leader. You know, that's one of the reasons why I married you. But no, I didn't know. I didn't know. Women, men are dumb. Help a brother out. Draw us a picture with some crayons, okay? Help us out. We men don't read well between the lines as much as you'd like us to. Don't assume that we know that you love us and respect us. Sometimes you have to tell us, especially with how we're doing as a husband or how we're doing as a father. Julie actively now reminds me. She, she'll leave me a little note saying she's proud of me and that she loves me. She brags about me in front of our kids, which does my heart so much good. She, she builds me up with her words instead of breaking me down and tearing me down or keeping silent. And when she builds me up, I feel unstoppable. Women, are you actively looking for ways to communicate to your spouse that you love and respect him? But I don't know, it'll give him a big head. Women, it's not your job to keep your husband humble. That's God's job. Your husband doesn't have a big head. More than likely, he has a hungry heart, and he needs to know how you feel about him. If you criticize him publicly, he might not say anything, but you might have wounded his heart. Your job is to respect and honor him, to brag about him to your kids, to brag about him to your family. You know, even if there's just a few things about him that you really admire, Talk about those things. Tell him how, how much you admire those things. Look for ways to build him up, not tear him down. And if you brag about him, especially if you brag about him publicly, you might get a full-time maid. He'll start scrubbing dishes. He'll start vacuuming. It'll go well for you women. But it's not about what you can get from him. 
It's about showing him that you love him. So here's some phrases I want you to try out with him. If you're taking notes, maybe you can jot some of these down. Here's some phrases you can try out, okay? Uh, I, I'm so proud of you for, I love it when you do this. You look handsome when you wear that. I have so much fun when we, you know, fill in the blank. I always laugh when you do this. The, the kids love it when you do that. Women, your words are powerful. They're powerful. So number one, assume he doesn't know how you feel. Number two, look for ways to tell him. But guess what? You also need to show him. So number three, frequent forms of physical touch. Frequent forms of physical touch. Now you might be thinking, uh-oh, I know what the pastor is talking about. That's important, okay? That is important in a marriage. It's, it's, you know, the greatest, most intimate way that two people can connect in a marriage. But that's not the only thing I'm talking about. A hug, you know, a kiss when he gets home, holding his hand and going for a walk, snuggling up next to him as you're watching a movie, you know, slapping him on the rear end when he wears a new pair of jeans and saying, you look good, hot stuff. <laughs> I'm serious. Rubbing his neck on a long car ride if he's driving for a long time. Look for ways to frequently pour out physical affection. Show him that you love and respect him not only with your words, but with your actions. And when he walks in the door and you hug and kiss him and he said, what is that for? Say, that's for loving me. That's for taking care of our family. And if you help me do the dishes later and get the kids to bed, there might be some more stuff waiting for you, okay? He'll be super, super excited. Women, your words and your actions are so powerful. Don't ever forget that. Because without your words and actions, a man's heart can start to fill with insecurity in life. And men, listen up. This is not an excuse or a justification for you to be unfaithful to your wife ever, ever. God has called you to love her as you love yourself and be willing to lay down your life for her, to elevate her even above yourself. Men, you must guard and you must protect your marriage. It is your God-given duty. But women, loving your husband, respecting him with your words and with your actions is a great way to divorce-proof your marriage and create a God-honoring relationship. So number one, men need a purpose to drive and motivate them. Number two, men need a wife to love and respect them. And now the greatest need, number three, the greatest need, every man needs a father to notice and be proud of him. Every man needs a father to notice and be proud of him. The book of Proverbs, uh, King Solomon says this. He says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. and Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son that he delights in. A man desperately needs a father to notice him. Dr. James Dobson, the Christian psychologist who wrote the, the powerful book, Bringing Up Boys, he wrote that it's important for a son to succeed, but it's 10 times more critical that he sees his dad watch him succeed. Dads, how many times as a parent have you heard your kids say, hey, daddy, watch this. Dad, look at this. Look what I can do. Dad, check me out. Dad, did you see? Did you watch? Did you see what I just did? This is why we display their artwork, right? Well, why do we put their drawings up on the fridge? 
Because let's be honest, most of our kids are not Michelangelo or Leonardo or any of the other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? But our, our, kids, our kids made something that they want us to be proud of, and we are. I mean, this happened to me recently. My son, Jace, who's nine years old, he wanted to show me a new trick that he learned on his bike. And I was sitting on our front porch, and, and he showed me this trick like 147 times. But he was so excited, and he just wanted to make sure that his dad saw him do it and saw him do it just right. For some of you here this morning, you were blessed, and you grew up in a home where your dad told you often that he was proud of you. For others of you, you never got that growing up. And for some of you, your insecurity, your anxiety, your depression, your anger in life stems from the fact that you're still waiting for a dad to affirm you and tell you that he's proud of you. And for some of you, for whatever reason, your dad's never going to be able to do that for you. And this is the biggest wound. This is maybe the biggest source of pain that you carry around in your life that you want your dad to be proud of you so, so bad. Well, if that's you today, I've got good news for you because you have a true and ultimate father who is the Lord God Almighty, your heavenly father, and he is so proud of you and he has noticed you and he's aware of everything that you've been through in life. Scripture says this in 1 John 3, 1 through 2. This is where we're going to end today. It says, this is how great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called sons and daughters of God. And that is what we are. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what will be for us has not yet been made known. Man, here is one truth that can clear out a bunch of the garbage in your life and set you free. Your greatest need to have a dad that knows you, loves you, notices you, and is proud of you is met in Jesus Christ. Man, God has called you his son. Women, God has called you his daughter. God has been with you through every failure in life and through every success. He's on the front row cheering you on in life. When you experienced tragedy, when you were down, when you didn't know if you could get back up again, God was screaming, get up, get up, you're my kid. You can do it, I'm with you, I believe in you. When you experienced success in life, when you experienced triumph, when, when, when you, you know, did something and achieved something, God was giving you a standing ovation. He was like, look at that, that's my son, that's my daughter, I love them, that's my kid. And man, this deep desire in your heart for a father can never be filled by other things in this world. It won't be filled by bigger or faster or newer or shinier. It can only be filled by embracing a personal relationship with your heavenly father through Jesus. Some of you need to stop killing yourself, seeking the approval, chasing after the approval of an earthly father who might be broken and have his own issues. You have a dad who notices you. You have a dad who loves you. You have a dad who longs to walk with you daily through your entire life. He's your heavenly father, and he thinks you're amazing. He does. You may have an imperfect dad, but you can have a perfect heavenly father. So what are three things that every man needs? Every man needs a purpose to drive and motivate him. Every man needs a wife 
to love, to respect him. Most importantly, every man needs God to be his heavenly father, a father who notices him, a father who's proud of him, a father who loves him. Can we pray together this morning, church? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we, we just we thank you for who you are. You are our heavenly Father. You call us sons and daughters of the King of the universe. We are princes and princesses of the King. How amazing is that? God, you call us to walk through this life in a personal love relationship with you. And step by step, day by day, to move from the smaller story of us to the greater story of you. The story that has no beginning and has no end that will go into eternity. Father God, I, I can't think of a better day than today, Father's Day, 2021. For some folks in this room today to maybe nail some things down when it comes to their relationship with you. Maybe they've, they've always been looking for a dad to be proud of them, to say, that's my son, that's my daughter. And you're there with arms open wide, ready to embrace them. Say, I'm your heavenly father, I love you forever. So here's what I wanna do. If, if you would have a, a few seconds of boldness this morning, and if you would say, you know what? I've never experienced that before. I want a relationship. I want a personal relationship with God as my heavenly father through his son, Jesus, through what Jesus did for me. I believe Jesus died on the cross to pay for all my wrongs so that I could live a life in a relationship with God forever. If, if that's you this morning, maybe again, this is something for the first time in your life. Maybe for some of you, it's it's something that you knew and you just kind of drifted away from and, and you're ready to take a step back into the Father's arms. And that's you this morning. If you'd say, yes, that's me. I want a relationship with my heavenly Father on this Father's Day. Would you just lift up a hand right now? Still with eyes closed, heads bowed, not even looking around, just between you and God. Say, that's me. I need a relationship with Jesus today. Is there anybody here this morning? Again, I believe this is the greatest the greatest gift you could ever get in your entire life. And it's offered freely by God. Those of you watching at home right now, praise God, I see that. Praise God, I see another. If you're watching at home right now, between you and God, just lift your hand up. Say, God, that's me. I need you in my life. Praise God. Let, let, me, let me pray for you. There's nothing magical about these words. It's just communicating on this day what's going on in your mind and your heart. Those of you here who are, consider yourself followers of Jesus, you can pray along with these brothers and sisters making decisions this morning. Would you pray, Heavenly Father, thanks for loving me. Thanks for choosing me first. God, I know I'm not perfect. I know I've done wrongs in my life. But today, I want to move my faith off of myself and what I've done. And I, I want to move it. I want to transfer it onto my Savior, Jesus, and what he's done for me. I believe that Jesus willingly died for all my sins, for all my wrongs. I believe he rose again. I believe he's the Son of God. God, for the rest of my life, I want to turn from my old life and I want to start walking 
in a personal relationship with you. God, I'm not even sure how that's gonna look like, but I believe you'll help me day by day, step by step. I love you, God. Thanks for loving me first. You are my heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Can we celebrate some decisions made this morning? Praise God. Praise God. Let's stand together and let's continue to sing and celebrate what God is doing in the lives of our people. Sing this with us.
Heavenly Father, I pray blessings upon your people today. And on this Father's Day, God, we not only want to celebrate, you know, all the fathers, but we want to celebrate you, the perfect Father, our Heavenly Father. Thank you for being the God who loves us, the God who so, so loves us and adores us and so desires a personal relationship with us that you were willing to send Jesus to save us from our sins so that we could call you our heavenly father, that we could be sons and daughters of the king. You're an amazing God and we love you. I pray that, that even if in life sometimes we, we just feel like, you know, maybe nobody's cheering us on, maybe nobody sees our hardship, maybe nobody's there to celebrate our success, for us to remember that we're never alone in this life, that you're our perfect dad and that you are with us, even carrying us through the storms of life and you're cheering us on and celebrating with every step we take in our walk with you, every step we make in this life. You love us that much and you wanna love us through this life and into eternity. You're an amazing God, we love you. We pray all these things today in your son's name, in Jesus' name we pray. God bless you guys. I hope you have an amazing Father's Day Sunday, that you guys have a great week ahead and can't wait to see you next week as we wrap up this series, Adam and Eve. God bless. Lord, I need